Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. How you doing? You were in uh, New Brunswick yeah. this week. Yeah. In Fredericton. Yeah. Lovely place there. You're about to go over to Germany. Looking forward to some Oktoberfesting. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to Oktoberfesting, yeah. Uh, I've never been, so uh, and I haven't been drinking beer lately, so i got to like train train right. up right you gotta get so, back into shape yeah uh but yeah fredericton you know we had the remnants of of the hurricane come through right so a little bit of a little bit of showers a little bit go. of rain uh yeah. rain on the east coast weird yeah weird right Strange. but uh, i'm back and we're ready to talk about uh the elite 10 yeah so the grand slam of curling is underway or about to get underway for the 2018-2019 season. A reshuffling of the order of events for this year's Grand Slam. Same thing that golf is doing with their majors. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Grand Slam of curling has adjusted their schedule. The Elite 10, which has usually been played in March, now is the inaugural event of the season. And this year it's taking place at the St. Clair Campus Arena in lovely Chatham, Ontario. Hopefully for the team's sake, they get the chance to stay at the Wheels Inn down there in Chatham, which uh, one of my favorite hotels. Love the Wheels Inn, you know. Oh, you got the, the pools, the water slides, the mini golf, the arcade, everything. Shuffleboard, everything is right there at your fingertips. <laughs> it really is a, a cool place to stay. Not, and the, not the quietest, but fun. No, if you're looking for a relaxing fun weekend uh maybe not but if you're looking for something active if you have kids and you want to exhaust them during the day running around all the activities definitely the wheels in is the place to go we'll expect the check from the wheels in any uh any moment now eh? yeah uh please yes (laughs) um so the elite 10 is there uh the qualification for the elite 10 is the top teams on the World Curling Tours Order of Merit ranking system as of August the 1st were invited to this event. If any team turned it down, it just goes then to the 11th team and so on and so forth. Men and women both in play here at the Elite 10. So we have 20 teams participating, divided into two pools of five for each. They'll each play four games and then a point system will determine who makes it in top six teams regardless of pool make it in to the playoffs top two teams buys to the semifinals right so the page that we've seen at the world championships last year last year yeah uh and and different from other grand slam events where traditionally they like to go with eight teams, straight quarter semis. I think mostly for TV purposes because you get those great quarter and semi coverages where they just go to the, like, the to last sheet. three shots of each end usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little different here well, on the Elite Ten. When there's only ten teams, having eight of them make the playoffs would be a little bit silly. It would be very CFL-ish <laughs> yeah. uh, to do it that way. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's a smart idea not to. So let's uh, go through here and preview this field given that it's the top 10 teams on the world curling tour uh, order of merit obviously you have a very strong field here let's take a look first at the women's field 
and the teams that have qualified. Chelsea Carey, Tracy Fleury, Jennifer Jones, Savannah Tiranzoni, Laura Walker, Anna Hasselberg, Rachel Holman, Nina Roth, Casey Scheidegger, and Jamie Sinclair. I, that initial list of the field, Scott, is there anyone who you think this field is missing and is harmed by not having just as the initial look? Or, or is anyone who you're surprised isn't in that initial top ten? Um... The only one I'd be a little surprised at is Darcy Robertson not being in the in the field. You, we've got two American teams here. Nothing wrong with that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get invited. Um, but that's the, the name that sort of sticks out to me as not being there. Yeah. The, well, Eve Muirhead's the other, other team one. is Eve Muirhead. Eve yeah. Muirhead's not there. Yeah. And, and you wonder, I mean, as we're recording this, there's, there hasn't been any sort of publication of whether or not teams were... Declining, declining invitations. Invites, yeah. The fact that Eve Muirhead uh, injured, didn't play in the Curling World Cup in China, maybe they didn't want to make this trip. It's somewhat of a short turnaround-ish to come back to play in this, so yeah. who knows. But a little surprising that they're not there. A little bit, yeah. But uh, like you say, Eve's still rehabbing, so you know I could see easily this being a, a, an event you turn down because, as you've mentioned in the past, uh, it's not your favorite. Yeah, so... Um, so actually, yeah, before we get into the, the specifics of who we think is going to come out of this women's field, let's talk about the format for the Elite 10, because it's not a point system. It's not you score three and you're up three nothing, and nor is it a, a system that we've seen in skins games mm-hmm. where you have to either steal or score two or more and you get the skin. No, it is a match play event. So what that means is... Each end, it works in skins format in that you have to score two or more with the hammer or get a steal in order to win. But unlike skins, there are no carryovers. No, it just becomes a push. It's like golf match play. Yeah, so if there's a push, the hammer goes to the other team and you are all square. Right. Uh, So if there's a push in the first end, you win the second end, you're up by one. It's not the carryover where you could be up by two like we would see in skins. Yes. So what you'll see in this event is final scores that say something like three and two yeah or two and one which means that the team was up by two with one end left if it's Mm -hmm. two and one if you see a score of one up or two up it means that they played the full eight Mm -hmm. and the team if it was one up won that last end or maybe it was pushed the last end two up it means the team was up one and won the last end to be two up so that's the way it works you're not going to see scores of you know eight five yeah (laughs) here it's just going to be uh, 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 saying what happened, what it was at the end. So. Exactly. So if we're all square at the end of eight ends, uh, again, it's not an extra end, similar to what we saw last week at the World Cup. Yep. Uh, it's a draw to the button yes. uh, to, to win the game. So yeah. uh, it's a bit like determining a, a golf match that's all square by a longest drive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's... Yeah. Uh, it, it, in that sense, they've also adapted some of the scoring rules from the World Cup for uh, awarding three points to a team that wins the match in regulation, Right. Uh, two teams to the team that wins in that shootout, mm-hmm. and one for losing in the shootout. Right. So uh, the way that everything shakes out is that the, the pool will end up with you know, a certain teams with a certain number of points rather than wins and losses. Right, and which is why, too, it's a really good idea then to have the top six teams regardless of pool. Because yeah. you have a bunch of those games where it's two to one, uh, then 
it could be a, a weird split in terms of points. So uh, you could potentially here have four teams from one pool, two teams from the other, uh, maybe. We'll, so we'll see how that plays out. I think it's unlikely that you have a five and one situation. Very unlikely. Very yeah. unlikely on that. But four and two is very much in play here in terms of that. But yeah, if you're going to go to a draw to the button, very much like the idea then of simply having it as a two point to one. This is something the NHL should have done like ten years ago. Yeah. Uh huh. In yeah. three point games, but whatever. So, so so the rest of the changes, Sean. It sounds as if. Uh, the organizers were listening to our podcast. Yeah, it very much seems like that because I have been very vocal in the past that I don't care for this event. I don't like the match play structure. I think it leads to worse games. If you win the first two ends, it's really hard to come back. Mm-hmm. And you can make a case that in a normal game, if it's just points, if you s- sort of score two, steal one, up three, nothing, you can make a case that that's also a very boring game, too. Uh, so I, I recognize that. I just don't care for the match play side of it. Right. But to spice it up, because it does seem like they have listened to some of the things that we've been saying, they have some new rules that they're trying out at this event and only this event. And some of these are things that we have talked about, Scott. I feel like all of them are things we've talked about, you know, <laughs> when we were going over uh, some rules to do. So the first one is uh, sweepers are not allowed to use stopwatches. Yes. I know I brought this up. I think uh, this is a great rule. Yep. Uh, who needs stopwatches? Whatever. Uh, learn how to play like a real player. Right. Like uh, play by feel. Yep. So, you know, maybe the draws are a little less precise. Maybe there's a little more, uh, you know, the, the margin for error, uh, you know, the error increases a bit. Right. So, yeah, I, I really like this rule. Right. And I, I'm curious to see, too, like, I mean, a lot of the teams, it seems to be more on the women's side maybe than the men's side, use the numbers as the guide for what to throw. Right. They don't say control or normal or whatever. They'll say ten and a half or nine and a half, whatever. So it'll be interesting to see because then the skip times the hog to hog and gives the actual time of what it was versus mm-hmm. what they want. Without that, obviously you're not going to change your whole verbiage for no. one event, but it'll be interesting to see how they can then gauge heavy light mm-hmm. without having those times. And um, also for the thrower, right? The sweepers yeah. won't be able to say, give me 4-1. Right. Uh, they'll say, give me you know 8-foot weight. And right. Uh, yeah, so uh, I like this idea a lot. This uh, is one of my favorites, but the second rule that they've changed is also one of my favorites because I brought it up on the podcast. Another one of your rules. This is the anti-tick rule, Scott. Yeah. That's going to be in play for this event. So the rule states that any stone that is in the free guard zone and is touching the center Center. line cannot be moved by the opposition as long as the free guard zone is in place. So the first five rocks of the end, that stone cannot be moved yeah which is something i brought up and i think it's going to really help the teams that are trying to steal i know even more than the five rock rule maybe so uh, not only will they have the chance to have two guards when they go to throw their third shot because the they won't be able to be removed yep they also now won't be able to be moved off the center line. Right. And so rock placement becomes super important. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how hard it is to make that perfect guard. Uh, and now it's going to be even more important to make yeah. sure that that rock's touching the center line. Yes. And what, what isn't clear right now, though, is what happens on an unintentional 
tick. Mm-hmm. So if I'm playing a come around, it overcurls, and I touch that rock, then what happens? Is it a situation where, obviously, the rock is going to be put back? The, but then the question is, what happens to the shooter? Is the shooter going to stay where it lies? Or is it the non-offending team then would have a choice of what to do with it? That's the thing that the rule currently doesn't say. Not uh, clear, yeah. But it'll be curious to see how that plays out. But I do like this idea. I like trying it out. I think I was a little skeptical of this when we brought it up in the rules episode. But I'm, I'm, I think it's it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, particularly with say Rachel Holman Mm -hmm. and that's the team that uses the tick a lot how that goes I think this will really change the end of game calculus I I would like to see this event though or or this rule in an event where it is points yeah because in a in a match play maybe not as much but certainly in skins play we see a lot more stones in play regardless because you're not worried about giving up a big steal or a, yeah. a big end. So right? it doesn't really matter as much. I would like to see this in a normal points event mm-hmm. to see, because that end of game math really changes. Really changes, yeah. So good start. Let's see how it works. Maybe they'll put it in place <laughs> for another Grand Slam event, but I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, it'll be really fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. So are there any other rule changes? Yeah, or? so one other rule change okay. that they've implemented, something else that we talked about on the rules episode and something else that we saw at the Curling World Cup, that is the thinking time per right. end. So they're going to have four minutes of thinking time per end. So each team has four minutes of thinking time to play each end. So wow. you cannot carry over time. If you only use two and a half minutes, you still have four minutes the next end. You don't go to six and a half you are allowed three timeouts through the game, and uh, that seems like a bit much to me. They're 90-second timeouts mm. as well, so you have a lot of time there. But, you know, when you play this kind of uh, an event that's similar to Skins format, it, it gets messy. It gets super yeah. complicated. So I think having those timeouts really is alleviating the fears of the players of saying, holy cow, we're trying to play super complicated ends with lots of angles, and right. we only have four minutes? Ugh. Yeah, but so so yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. The it, rule is different, too, from the Curling World Cup, where at the Curling World Cup, if you ran out of time, I think you were penalized two points. It's either two points, or the the team that still has rocks to throw can choose to throw them if they okay, want. Okay, so this one just says that uh, once you are out of time, you cannot deliver any more stones for the rest of the end. Right. So in theory... It could be a situation where even if you run out of time, you could still score. Yeah. Uh, potentially, uh, even if that seems unlikely. So, but they are implementing this rule. So these are three rules that we talked about way back when in the spring mm-hmm. or early summer on our rules episode that are now in place at a Grand Slam. Holy cow! It's like we're uh, shaping the the conversation here. There you we're, go. We're changing the game literally. Yeah. So it'll be fun to see how these play out over the course of the week, and I, I'm excited to see them in action here uh, and I'll be honest gives me a reason to actually watch the, <laughs> the Elite 10 uh, which normally is not on my list of things that I like to watch well I'll be uh, trying to log in from Germany to watch uh, some of these games you know yeah. uh, with the time change you'll be able to yeah it'll be right? after I'm done uh, yeah done go with home you'll see the afternoon draws it'll be good great um, so let's uh, let's talk about the field here and what we expect I already ran down the women's field so let's talk about the pools in pool A for the women you have Chelsea Carey Tracy Fleury Jennifer Jones Savannah Tiranzoni and Laura Walker 
Sean, it's going to be our chance to support the official team of the Game of Stones podcast, yes. as determined using our uh, simulated Survivor season. Chelsea Carey. Yes, so Chelsea Carey is spoiler the, alert if you haven't listened yeah, to that. Yeah. The official team of Game of Stones for the 2018-19 season. Our first chance to watch her in yeah, action, and it'll be the first chance for me to see the new Jennifer Jones team with. Uh, uh, who is it? Who went to her team? I, for, I forgot her name. Blonde. Jocelyn Peterman. Yes, with Jocelyn Peterman at the second position. Jill Officer, of course, taking a step back. Yeah. From so, the game? Uh, Sylvana Terranzoni, their team has already played a f- couple of events anyway. Uh, they're a new team as well, with Alina Pats coming to yes. join her. So, uh, a lot of new teams. Tracy Fleur's team is new. It's, it's uh, the old Carrie Anderson team. Yep. And... Yeah, I mean, uh, whew, look out. Is so, there anyone here that you think that really stands out as a favorite potentially going into this? I mean, you can never count out Jennifer Jones, right? Uh, that, so that that would be my pick going in. Chelsea Carey, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cheering for them because we're contractually obligated. Of course. Uh, but yeah, seeing Tracy Fleury's team is going to be really fun too to see how that team works in it with a different dynamic. Right. So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. I th- I think going into this event, you know, you wonder how, say, Laura Walker's team will do. Uh, she's coming mm-hmm. back from China. Uh, she just, you know, who knows yeah. how that'll go for her. But certainly I would suggest that this side of the draw is tougher Overall, I think Pool A think is a little so. better than Pool B, and and we'll see. You know, we'll see uh, Chelsea Carey's old team that's now skipped by Laura Walker playing against her new team. You know, yeah. you could have like kind of a grudge match feel right. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be really fun. Uh, yeah. So overall, that's that. Oh, I guess the team I'm that we're missing here is the Team Anderson team. Yes, Team Anderson is not in this field, which is a, another surprising one. Yeah, um, they came out of the gate really hot this yeah. season. So uh, to not see them here is is uh, that's a little surprising. To yeah, me. you're right. But that could be a, a matter of who gets points after the after you know, team set up. Yeah, if yeah. Anderson lost all of her points because three of her players stayed together, like that could simply be one of those weird mass situations. But yeah, a little surprising that Carrie Anderson is not there because in Pool B we have Anna Hasselberg, Rachel Homan, Nina Roth, Casey Scheidegger, and Jamie Sinclair. So we'll have the opportunity to get a rematch of the first. World Cup Women's Final there mm-hmm. uh, in the round robin. Uh, I think this is a little e- easier of a pool to get through, a little more wide open for a couple reasons. You have three teams who are coming back from China, from China yeah. in this field. So in, in Anna Hasselberg, Rachel Holman, and Nina Roth. We saw Nina Roth struggle through the curling World Cup, especially with draw weight. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, Rachel Holman... She has a tendency, after a big win, to not have the greatest follow-up events sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. That has been known to happen on occasion. And Anna Hasselberg, arguably the best team in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, coming back from China, who knows about travel situations, all that. Yeah. So to me, this seems a ripe opportunity for Casey Scheidegger to run this group and come out of pool B with the automatic spot in the semifinals. Yeah, they they played an event a couple weeks ago now and 
Yeah, the shootout. And I think they won it, Edmonton. right? They did win that event. Yeah. So they've got a win under their belts already. Jamie Sinclair had a bit of a rough start for her first event, uh, but, you know, uh, is coming back and had a really great season last year. So. Yeah, and she did okay at the uh, the Shorty Jenkins as well. She got into the playoffs at the Jenkins. So right. not, you know, not bad coming not out bad. of the gate for her. So you're right. I think this is wide open, but if I'm putting my money somewhere, it's got to be on Anna Hasselberg. She's... Their team's the best in the world. Yep. Uh, they'll be hungry after a crushing defeat at the hands of Rachel Holman. Right, yeah. Uh, As we talked about last week, everyone seemed very crushed <laughs> when they lost. Devastated, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, oh, man, overall, like, uh, it's a really good field. Yeah. Really good field of teams. Of course, yeah. it is the elite 10, so it's an elite field. It should field. be an elite field. So let's talk, uh, let's make our picks here on the women's side. Okay, if so. If you missed us last week, we are doing a season-long competition between the two of us you get two points for correctly picking the winner of an event and you get one point for picking a playoff team right so at at the world cup we knew there was only going to be a final so we only picked two teams right so in this event are we picking six teams to make the playoffs so here's what i think we should do maybe we should change the structure of our our competition here oh boy in terms of already points so for this one i think we should get you get one point for a playoff team, and you get one and a half points. No half points for a semifinal team. Okay, and then two points for a winner. Uh, I don't like half points. Let's do okay. one, two, and three. Okay, so that means that this event that is worth more in points. Well, we'll change the other one. It can be okay. three points for a winner and one point for a finalist. Okay, let's do that. Okay. okay, so we have then you get three points for the winner, and you will get two points for. A semifinal finalist. Yeah. And then we will have one point for the playoff teams. Great. So So I'm picking six women's teams to make the playoffs here. Yeah. Okay. Give me out of pool A, Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones. Give me Chelsea Carey. Chelsea Carey. And give me Sylvana Tiranzoni. Sylvana Tiranzoni, okay. Uh, and then I'm going to switch to the other pool, and I'm going to go uh, Hasselberg. Hasselberg. Scheidegger and give me Jamie Sinclair. Scheidegger and Jamie Sinclair. So, Homan to miss. Homan is out. All right, so your semifinalists then. Semifinalists have got to be uh, Hasselberg, uh, Chelsea Carey, Jennifer Jones, and uh, who else? Casey Scheidegger? Sure. Sure. That's who you would like to pick. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then your final is? Final is going to be Hasselberg and Chelsea Carey. And give me Chelsea Carey, official oh. team of the Game of Stones podcast. Okay. So there you go. Coming out hot. Chelsea Carey coming in through the for the win. I'm going to go similar. I'm going to go three and three here. On this, on Group B, I'm going to pick the same three teams as you in Hasselberg, Scheidegger, and Sinclair, thinking that Nina Roth and Rachel Holman might struggle a little bit, which we've seen in the past. And in Pool A, I am going to go with uh, Jennifer Jones, because you have to. It's a contractual obligation Mm -hmm. to take Jennifer Jones in all these events. I'm going to go a little different from you, though, uh, in that I think Tracy Fleury is going to make the playoffs here. She had a really good start to the season. She played really well. I know with a different team at the Scotties last year, 
but I think the Tracy Fleury stock is rising. I would buy Tracy Fleury stock yeah, right now. I'd be happy to uh, see that. So I would take uh, Tracy Fleury there, and I'll take Terenzoni as well as my other team coming out. In the semifinals for this event, I'm going to put Jamie Sinclair in there. I think uh, Jamie Sinclair and Casey Scheidegger both make the semifinals. I think one of those two teams runs that pool. Right. Uh, whoever wins that game, I, I'm, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if they run the pool there uh, in just getting through to the semifinals. And then for the other teams, I got gotta love Anna Hasselberg, even if she might be a little tired. And then for the other team coming out, give me some Tiranzoni early in the season Ooh. Uh, coming through. Alina Pats, I'm really excited to see this in play having that come together. You know, we talked Kerry Anderson's not there, but that team of all skips has come together and played really well played early really well. in the season. Maybe we have a similar situation here with Alina Pats coming in. We have a really good start to the season. And in my final, I am going to go with a Casey Scheidegger versus Silvana Tiranzoni. And I'm going to go with Silvana Tiranzoni. The Swiss to win. Wow. The Sean, uh, the elite ten. You're out on a limb there. Uh, I'm gonna say for sure. Uh, okay. I respect. I respect it. But uh, holy cow! <laughs> cool. So uh, that's the field we've got. That's uh, our so field. Yeah. I've got Carrie. You've got Tiranzoni. I would technically we both have Team Carrie because it's our official team. But yes. uh, yeah. So how about we uh, flip over to the men's? Yeah. So let's move over to the there. men's. Uh, the men's field here and see what we got. On that side of the th- of the uh, the docket. All right, so I'll run down the the teams here. Pool A, uh, Pool A is uh, John Epping, Jason Gunlickson, Brad Gushu, Glenn Howard, and Bruce Mowat uh, from Scotland coming back from China. Uh, pool B, we've got Reed Carruthers, Nicholas Adine, Brad Jacobs, Kevin Coe, and uh, Ross. <laughs> Patterson, so I'm on I'm on Wikipedia because okay, the, the website's yeah, the, not the, working the, properly. No, it's not. So uh, an interesting field here. Uh, anyone who stands out to you in terms of not being there, not being there. Um, phew, there's so many shakeups this year. It's hard to uh, remember all the teams, right? So yeah. uh, not really. I think if we hearken back to our survivor game, we did. Yeah. Uh, there might be a, a couple teams that that aren't there, but I'm thinking Peter De Cruz. Uh, this could be another situation yeah. where they uh, might have just said no because of they were just in China as well. So maybe a little surprising on the Peter De Cruz side of things that they're not there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got two Scottish teams here, so yeah. Uh, I guess the big one might be John Schuster. Yeah, John Schuster's not there. That's a bit of a shocker. Yeah. Uh, but again, if it's the World Curling Tour order of merit. They didn't do all that great on no. tour last season. You're right. So we'll see maybe that the, the they'll be there at some of the other events, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe not all that surprising that they don't make it into this one. But overall, certainly a, a strong field. Brendan Botcher is another one. Yeah, a little that surprising. You, you might expect to see. But generally speaking, this is a very strong field. Looking at the pools would suggest, uh, I would at least, that pool B is really hard um, and, and harder than pool A. I think pool A is a little more wide open and you have a clearer path for Gushu and Epping. 
than what I see in Pool B. I think so too. Uh, having looked at some of the results from the early season, Glenn Howard's team has been playing really well. I think they've yeah. made the playoffs every event they've been in. Uh, I could be wrong, but they seem to always be there, making uh, at least quarterfinals, sometimes mm-hmm. semis. Uh, and, and they're having a really strong season too. So uh, John Epping's team also off to a really good start yeah. uh, so far. So uh, if we're breaking it down, looking... Looking at possible winners here, John Epping and Brad Gushu to come out of Pool A uh, for sure for me. Yeah. Uh, the third spot, you know, is a bit more up in the air. I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards Glenn Howard just based on how how well they've been playing. Looking at Pool B, uh, it's, it's hard to pick Nicholas Adine after the week they had there in yeah, in is. China and not knowing the status of uh, their second. So, uh, yeah. Boy, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Brad Jacobs and Reed Carruthers, the teams that have been on this side of the pond, Yeah. On this side of the large pond. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know what? Uh, Kevin Cooey's team showed me a lot at that uh, World Cup event, so give me Kevin Cooey to okay. come out too. Uh, as far as semifinalists go, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there you go. I, Epping, and, Epping and Howard, I like. And Carruthers and Cooey, I like. Okay. And then uh, in the finals, give me John Epping to come out of this one. Uh, John Epping. Yeah, John Epping's got a got a win. He's uh he's on fire. His new teams really showed up. So. Okay, so there you go. So you're going with John Epping for yeah. an early season win here at the Elite Ten. I'm gonna go a little differently here. I'm gonna go with four teams at a pool B. I'm gonna go with Nick Eden. And Jacobs and Cooey and Reed Carruthers. I think Ross You're taking all four. They're they're going to beat up on each other. I think Ross Patterson is going to have a tough week. I'm just going to just suggest that. And I think this might be a situation where we have enough three point games where all of them will sort of build up, right? So you'll get two. The other team will get one, and that'll be enough. Whereas on the other side, if Epping and Gushu win all their games, and then Gunlifson, Howard, and Moet sort of split amongst each other that the point totals will work that you get four out of pool B and only two out of pool A. Wow. I'm going to take that chance that that math will work out for me in making this picks. I think Epping then and uh, Gushu certainly make it out of pool A. In the semifinals, I will take Brad Jacobs against Epping, Gushu against uh, Kui, and then you can give me a final of um, Brad Gushu against John Epping, and I'm going to take Brad Gushu to win this event. Until Brad Gushu proves me wrong, uh, (laughs) I'm going to keep picking him. So the world championship wasn't proven, proven you wrong? Uh, I don't know. Did I pick Brad Gushu? Well, he lost. I probably so, did. Uh, um, so, I don't know. I it's just, all over, Sean. It, it, he lost the world championships. It's all it's downhill over, from yeah. here. So, we'll see what happens uh, early season event. But there you go. So, that's what we like for the Elite 10. And for the first time in a long time, at least for me, there's actually a reason to watch the Elite 10 yeah. uh, with the new rules in place. So, the other thing we wanted to talk about this week is that we made reference to it last week, but the World Curling Federation has changed the way they're going to conduct 
their mixed doubles world championships, which is really interesting to me because for a long time the mixed doubles was intended to be the grow the game sport mm-hmm. or, or the grow the game event. And now they are changing the structure of that. So, Scott, what do you think of this? Why did they do this? And what's the point of it? So it was getting a bit unwieldy, I'd say, the mixed doubles world championships. You know, you had, uh, it. what was it, like 30-something teams something competing like that, yeah. uh, every year? It, 32, I think, four pools of eight or something? Four pools of eight, that sounds right. So, yeah, 32 teams uh, from around the world, one from each country. It was getting sort of to the point where uh, that's a lot of players to come in at uh, to stay at a certain place, you know, that it's they're co-locating it with the seniors and uh, one other. The I think, mixed, I think. The, the world mixed. So they're, they're sort of growing these big events and, and co-locating them to increase attendance. And it was getting to the point, in my opinion, where it was unsustainable to have that many teams competing at one world event. So what's been done is they've called the field a bit for the world mixed doubles yes so going from 32 to so it's going to be a 20 team event you're going to have 16 teams qualify from the previous year's worlds the bottom four will have to re-qualify for that and instead of having it be an open Mm -hmm. championship where everybody can just put in a team that all curling federations are eligible they're going to have earlier in the season an open entry world challenge right so So everyone can still participate but now you're participating in this world challenge four teams will qualify for the world championships out of that event right so now it's a two-stage qualification essentially you've added it doesn't say this in any of the stories or the press releases they put out but you're adding relegation to the World Mixed Doubles Championships, Mm -hmm. which, okay, we've had forms of that in the past, in a sense, where you have to qualify for World Championships, as we've seen in North America the past few years, Brazil continuing to to try and and challenge first the United States, last year Canada, to get into the World Championship. This is a little more of a formalized structure for it, but that's that's what they've decided to do. 20 teams four relegated, and then this open event will decide those other four. Yeah, and I, I understand uh, you know, a lot of reasons, like I just talked about why this is happening. The, the thing that is a little bad for growing the game, so if we're talking about growing the game, obviously being able to send athletes from countries that don't usually get represented at world championships yeah. to a world championship event gets exposure they get to meet some other athletes maybe get some tips you know right uh talk uh learn uh in a high pressure environment the the thing about going to a qualifying event you get to do a lot of those same things but you don't necessarily get to mix with the the elite you know of the sport i can't foresee an instance where canada or sweden or or norway even are not playing uh, like not guaranteed spots in this kind of a, a world championship right based on past year's records so you're you're getting uh you know a, a watered down field and i don't know if associations are going to be as able to send their athletes to a pre-qualifying tournament given it doesn't have the prestige right. of a world championship right so yeah. if you're getting funding 
uh, from your association to go to the Worlds. And now you say, oh, hey, we didn't qualify for the Worlds. We need to go to this other event. And maybe your association balks at that and says, okay, so we're sending you to the qualifier and then we'd have to send you to the Worlds even if you make it through. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can easily see fewer countries having the ability to participate based on that alone. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, with people like Jason uh, and Ling, the Hong Kong team, the Hong Kong team, we'll see how it goes for them. Because there's a great expense involved in playing in these. Yep. Uh, and there's arguably more funding opportunities when you're going to world championships versus world qualifying events. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see how this plays out. And uh, it really surprised me because the whole point of the mixed doubles was to grow the game event or grow the game initiative and this seems counter to that so and And, and when you say it's like unwieldy and too big i don't know if it was uh you can make a case that it was bad because you had blowouts and stuff but like i don't know who cares you have blowouts in every event and this was one i I, to me the biggest problem with the mixed doubles was the playoffs right uh, and the way the playoffs were structured as opposed to the number of teams actually in the event because the whole point of mixed doubles is it's quick. You can get more games in, so yeah. you can have more teams. So limiting it to 20, I don't know if it's necessary. Hopefully this doesn't affect the number of people who are participating in the mixed doubles, but we'll see how it goes and, and whether or not that qualification event to get into the World Championships, how many teams show up to that. Right, and so not only is it you know another event that's pretty expensive i just uh i'm browsing the press release again yes and the the event is going to be in new zealand right the qualifying event so like if you were on the fence and you're a team from i don't know uh what what do we see like a team from israel or yeah whatever and you're thinking oh yeah well like maybe if if it was in hungary i could go or right or somewhere like New Zealand's now now I got to go to New Zealand. That, that's the farthest place you can put some kind of event, right? Yeah. And no offense to to the New Zealanders, because that's where the Australian national team has to go to get ice to, yep. to play, you know. Uh, and it's a good venue, but holy cow, it's far away for everybody except yeah. them. Yeah. It almost makes more sense to put a world championship in New Zealand, yeah, than it would to put this event in New Zealand. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not optimistic for the number of teams that are going to be able to show up and and compete. Yeah. But we'll we'll see what the final field gets set at uh, when the time comes. So yeah, hopefully it goes well. A couple other quick notes from the World Curling Federation annual meeting there, where they made some other rule changes. Uh, it's interesting to me. So the America's Challenge event. So if mm-hmm. Brazil challenges uh, this year, it'd be the, US. the Americans on the men's side for a spot in the World Championships. That'll be played in October or November instead of in January, as we've seen in the past. We saw at the Continental Cup last year, that's where those games were played. You're also increasing the number of teams at the Youth Olympic Games from 16 to 24, which I think is interesting. Uh, Probably a good idea to increase the number of teams at the youth level who can go play in that. Yep. Eight more teams there, that's good. And then interesting to me, the standardization of delivery sticks for wheelchair curling uh that's interesting i would have assumed that they were already standardized 
but a new rule in place there on the wheelchair side. Yeah, that's been a, a hot topic of debate uh, all summer long is trying to figure out what the standard's going to be. And uh, some of our friends who, who compete in those events would know more than I do, but mm-hmm. I do know it's been, it's definitely been talked about ad nauseum. So right. uh, good to see that there's a standard in place now. Yeah, definitely something that'll hopefully help that sport. Because uh, as we saw during the Olympics, uh, there was some debate over the sticks and then some of the rules that were in place. So yeah. uh, certainly anything that can help uh, clarify the situations uh, in the wheelchair game uh, definitely will be a step in the right direction. Because you know those are some of the best players in the world. And for them to be uncertain about who can do what, who can play mm-hmm. what position, that kind of stuff. So uh, definitely a step in the right direction, hopefully, on the wheelchair side. Yeah, right on. So... Uh do you have anything else, Sean? I kind of got to go. So there you go. So that's uh, that's our update from the World Curling Federation. And we'll see how this season goes. Hopefully everything doesn't go to hell. But we'll, we'll see what happens uh, on that front. So enjoy the Elite Ten, everybody, as much as you can enjoy the Elite Ten. Uh, <laughs> the new rules hopefully will improve the event. Hopefully. Yeah, this is great. Um, we get to see if our rule changes are... Small samples are actually going to improve. <laughs> I'm going to say small sample size. Even if we're right, small sample size. No, if we're right, it's perfect. Okay. We are geniuses. If uh, we're wrong, we small should have been running size. the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we're wrong, small sample size. Uh, so there you go. So do uh, do enjoy the event this weekend. We'll be back to do a full wrap up of the elites and look forward to some of the other events on the schedule next week. Once you're back from Germany, try to enjoy Oktoberfest, Scott. Yeah. Don't uh, don't go too hard on those liter beers and uh, bratwurst. Oh, don't worry. I'm I'm uh, always good at drinking beer. So there you go. All right, it'll be fun. All right, well, safe travels, Scotty. You can find Scott and uh, follow his trip on Twitter at Scott Lakes TV. You can follow me at Dr. Shawnee Fever for the show. It's at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Now that the season's really in full gear, we're gonna get that Instagram up and go and do some stories and some other things that I don't really know anything about in terms of Instagram because I'm new to this. So <laughs> We're we'll learning. See, we'll see how that goes. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can find us Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the show if you have not already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and give us a rating, uh, preferably a good one, uh, to fire us up the charts as we get going into the real curling season uh also for perhaps some new listeners you can go back listen to some of our summer episodes as the season has started if you're thinking about changing clubs we did an episode what makes a good club we mentioned some of the rules we did a full episode on some of the rules we want in place some of the tougher shots for curlers especially at the club level we did an episode about pros and cons of bond spiels a summer episode uh, when we went to down to knoxville playing a spiel there so if you want to catch up on some of those summer episodes please do go back look in the archive yeah so until we talk to you next week keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern